This podcast of Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by BASF. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at Midweek and letting us be part of your day. Here's what we have coming up with uh, states like Nebraska bracing for perhaps uh, another big hit from this major storm, depending on how it tracks, how much of the state may get hit. The Nebraska is still recovering from the last uh, batch of bad weather and the, the snow and the rain and the thawing and everything that's been going on we've been talking a lot about the the cattle situation the crop situation the planting situation their ethanol industry hard hit too and we're going to talk with megan grimes program manager for the nebraska ethanol board and get an update on the situation there in the state of nebraska as far as the ethanol industry and their ability to keep plants open and moving ethanol we'll be talking about that we'll talk markets today with steve nicholson with robo agrifinance uh, more numbers uh, yesterday from USDA, lots to talk about uh, as far as trade and some other issues. We'll talk about that with Steve Nicholson. And no doubt you've noticed when you go to the pump, uh, gas prices are going up. We're going to talk with Scott Richmond, chief economist with Renewable Fuels Association, about the reasons behind uh, those rising gas prices and uh, what not to blame for uh gas prices going up. So that's coming up on today's program. But let's start it off, look at the news. Chris Clayton with DTN joins us. Hi, Chris. How are you? Uh, doing well, Mike. How about yourself? Are you still in Washington, D.C.? I am. I'm uh, actually sitting outside a uh, Senate Commerce hearing. It's about to start on uh, issues related to rural broadband mapping. Which should be interesting. You're there with the uh, Ag Journalists uh, meeting. I know you're hearing from a lot of uh, folks there in Washington, D.C. I want to start off with the news. Uh, interesting news. The National Pork Producers Council canceling this year's World Pork Expo over concerns about African swine fever, wanting to take all the precautions they can. Yeah, that was uh, very surprising to see. And um, uh, given that it's in Des Moines, the center of the country, it's not uh, an area you would think that at the moment this would be a particular issue, but uh, obviously they're trying to do everything they can to uh, to stop uh, African swine fever from coming in. They know the uh, market damage it can do if it shows up. You know, and you'll basically be a, see a total shutdown of exports at least for a while. That sort of thing. So it's a big concern. We'll be talking with the, the National Pork Producers Council tomorrow about that decision. Obviously, there are a lot of international tra- travelers coming to that event, so uh, they're just not taking any chances at all. Um, they're in Washington, D.C., Chris, at your meeting. Have you heard any more about the disaster? I guess they're not going to get anything done until after Easter recess. Is that right? That's probably where you're looking. You're going to see them take a break uh, starting in the next couple of days, and uh, obviously, the Senate has not moved its bill yet. They're still stuck on their similar issues. Um, talked to Colin Peterson about it yesterday from the House side, and he felt like that uh, most of the issues related to agriculture were already taken care of in the Farm Bill, other than this grain indemnity issue. Uh, but I think there's still a lot other larger circumstances when you look at the volumes of homes that have been impacted in communities, the infrastructure involved, that there's a lot more uh, to address than just the, the grain indemnity. But uh, uh, I could be wrong there. But to me, what it looks like there's still going to be a lot more need in, uh, in the Midwest than just, uh, than just that. We're talking with DTN's Chris Clayton, who is in Washington, D.C. Chris, uh, Secretary Purdue, saying that... Uh, uh, it's looking more positive about uh, China lifting tariffs on U.S. ethanol. Uh, I'm sure he is. Uh, every time you hear Secretary Badu talk about something with China, we're either going to be increasing exports uh, 
or uh, they're going to be dropping a tariff. And uh, so far, it's, uh, well, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm sure that's coming down the pike. But uh, I, I would probably take a more realistic view. Uh, his name's Sonny for a reason, right? You know, so. He is Mr. Optimism, isn't he? Certainly is uh, when it comes to what's going on with uh, with trade right now. He's very optimistic, but uh, you know, they, they, they've got a trade deal called the USMCA, and we don't see any advancement moving happening on that right now. In fact, you're going to see you know the Canadian Ag Minister, or excuse me, Ambassador, talk to us on Monday, and they're going to be putting some more tariffs on agricultural products here in the coming uh, weeks and months because of the steel aluminum tariffs against uh, against Canada. And, you know, you won't see USMCA moving very fast until those tariffs are dropped against Canada and Mexico. Um, and so we're kind of at a stalemate on a trade deal that's already done um, because we can't get ratification moving forward in any of the three countries right now. Yep, clock keeps ticking, and uh, uh, as you said, it doesn't look like much advancement at this point. Uh, you mentioned broadband, which many have considered part of an infrastructure package. Are you hearing anything on getting something done on infrastructure? Um, you're going to see the House begin to move forward on a bill, uh, and the delicate issue with that, and it's always been a delicate issue, is how you pay for it. Uh, the houses, the trucking industry, the semi-truck industry is backing a proposal that would raise the uh, fuel tax a nickel a year for four years, 20 cent increase over four-year time. Uh, now, of course, as you just mentioned, uh, leading into our discussion about uh, fuel prices raising, so you'll get that inevitable conflict between the price of fuel going up and the talk of raising taxes. Uh, but you can't get an infrastructure bill fully done unless you figure out a way to pay for it. And that's been the problem over the last uh, several years. Uh, if they're going to do something, somebody's got to figure out a way to, uh, to fund it. What about a tax extenders package and the biodiesel tax credit? Do you see anything happening there? I haven't heard anything mentioned of that whatsoever this week in D.C., um, Nobody's really uh, uh, brought it up or raised it. Senator Grassley, of course, as, uh, in his role on Senate Finance, brings that issue up. But obviously the bill is not fully ready to be advanced or moved. So uh, I can't really say, you know, where they're at in that process either at the moment. Uh, uh, but uh, I think coming off a big fight in the issues of taxes, uh, that they had over in 2017, uh, there's probably some reluctance among leadership in both chambers right now to go ahead and do another tax cut package at the moment. All right, Chris, uh, thanks for the uh, the update, and uh, try to get them straightened out and get things going there in Washington, D.C., okay? Uh, I'll do my best. You, you have right. a good day. Take care. DTN's Chris Clayton from Washington, D.C. All right, coming up next, the uh, ethanol industry in the state of Nebraska, hard hit by floods this spring. We'll get an update from Megan Grimes, program manager for the Nebraska Ethanol Board, next here on AOA. Powerful, effective, proven, tough, consistent, reliable. A lot of adjectives can describe a herbicide's weed control, but one only applies to Liberty Herbicide. Superior. Liberty Herbicide has no known resistance in row crops, more convenient application flexibility, and excellent control of key weeds. All backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Learn more at liberty.basf.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin, we want to talk about the Dairy Pride Act that she is once again helping to sponsor. We have seen an explosion of imitation products that have gotten away with using dairy's good name for their own benefit, which is actually against the law, and that law must be enforced. 
So the Dairy Pride Act pushes the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, to actually enforce the law because mislabeling of plant-based products as milk really does hurt our dairy farmers and their hard work should be recognized and the law should be enforced. Dairy farmers across America are sort of in a perfect storm of uh, unfavorable conditions, whether that's the low price that they're getting for their milk or uh, issues of oversupply and trade wars. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Want to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke? Simple. Eat right. This is registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Dobbins. A healthy diet can mean a healthier you. So eat a variety of proteins each week. Seafood, lean meat, poultry, beans, and nuts. Fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. Choose foods that are lower in calories, fat, and sodium. Limit your alcohol and maintain a healthy weight. Let a registered dietitian nutritionist help you achieve your goals. Find one near you at eatright.org. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. From lost cattle to lost grain to lost infrastructure to flooded fields, uh, Nebraska has been one of those states very hard hit this year by the uh, the flooding and uh, the chance of even more here as this week progresses. The ethanol industry in that state has been hard hit as well. Joining us now is the program manager for the Nebraska Ethanol Board, Megan Grimes. Megan, thank you for joining us. Can you give us an update as you've talked to uh, folks in the ethanol industry around your state? Sure. The main issue facing the ethanol plants here in Nebraska, of course, from the flooding, was rail service infrastructure. So out of our 25 ethanol plants here in the state, 24 of them rely on rail to ship their products. And a lot of the rail was washed out or underwater uh, because of the flood. So it made it really difficult to get that product out. So they have ethanol but they can't get it out, and limited storage, right? So uh, what's their status? Have they had to shut down? Yep, so in the last couple of weeks, we've seen plants here in Nebraska reduce their capacity because they're trying not to get full because they don't have anywhere to send their ethanol. Um, As the rail terminals um, start to get that track repaired and are coming back online, um, this week we've seen ethanol capacity um, start to run back kind of at full speed again, and uh, limited rail service has been coming online this week. So that's that's great news for us. Yeah, now with this latest storm hitting this week, will hit parts of Nebraska. Does it look like that's going to impact the, the industry more? Yeah, so right now we got limited rail service, which we just got back online, and the ground is very saturated. So I think there's concerns with all that part- new participation coming in that it um, – will, you know, cause more flooding issues and possible track washouts again or just cause more reduced speeds, at least, um, in parts of the state. 
you mentioned you have 25 ethanol plants in the state of Nebraska. Obviously, uh, when they are either closed or reduced capacity, that's an impact on the economy there in the state of Nebraska. Sure, definitely on the economy here in Nebraska, but as well as on um, places all around the U.S., including California, that rely on the ethanol that's made here in the Midwest. So, unfortunately, we're seeing some gas prices um, being raised in California because they can't get all the ethanol that they need in their state um, because of rail issues here. And because of our geographic area here in Nebraska, um, you know, there's a lot of plants in, uh, in Iowa as well, but they need to ship through Nebraska to get their product there. So... Um, from a standpoint, from our economy, it's not good, but then for the entire Midwest, having that rail infrastructure down is really not good. That is interesting. I, I, was, I wanted to ask you, where does most of your ethanol go? So a lot of it uh, goes to California then? Yep, a lot of it to California and then the port south in Texas. So we ship about um, somewhere between 93 and 97 percent of our ethanol out of state. So we like to say we're one of the largest bioenergy exporters here in Nebraska. And then you're looking longer term, you have to be concerned about uh, those flooded fields and uh, perhaps reduced production, prevented planted acres this year, things like that that could have an impact on down the line. Sure, we might see um, higher grain prices, which of course is good for farmers, but those are higher inputs for us and all plants. If there's not as much corn being produced this next season, um, we had a lot of damaged roads as well. So as far as rail infrastructure being back up, that's great. But um, farmers being able to bring in their grains to be processed into ethanol has been a little bit difficult with those roads being damaged. So they're driving possibly hundreds of miles out of their way to get it delivered to the ethanol plants, or they might not be able to reach their bin sites at all just because of the road damage. So there's some infrastructure, road infrastructure, that needs to be repaired, too, to make sure those ethanol plants can continue to get that starch to produce the ethanol. And that infrastructure takes a while to uh, to repair, to replace. You mentioned you're getting some of that rail service back, but uh, some of it's just going to take time, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yep. And so right now, like I said, we have the limited rail service, and, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, um, we'll be back running at full capacity with rail service. The great thing is that railroads are a lot faster than um, the traditional road repair. We're talking with Megan Grimes, program manager for the Nebraska Ethanol Board. Megan, you, you've talked about the, uh, the infrastructure, the transportation issues. Has there been any damage to the ethanol plants themselves? So a few of them did have floodwaters around them. Um, none of the actual facilities were flooded. Um, in one location in Columbus, Nebraska, they had a lot of tank cars that were staged, of course, to fill with ethanol to eventually be shipped out. And the tank car wheels were actually underwater. And when that happens, if the bearings get wet, they have to replace all the wheels on those tank cars. So that was an area where all of those tank cars had to have their wheels replaced before they could ship any ethanol out there. And so a lot of that had to do with waiting for the water to recede and then getting those uh, parts in for those tank cars. Never a good time for something like this to happen, but as looking at the ethanol industry, this has been a tough time economically anyway. This just adds more problems to that. Yes, exactly. And then the California price, you know, the California price of ethanol just went up recently, which is great for ethanol producers, but unfortunately a lot of them, because of that rail infrastructure, aren't able to get their product there or might not be able to get it there fast enough to take it take advantage of that great price that's happening out there right now, which they really need because of the low prices that we've had in the last several months. And speaking of that, I know that you and those in the industry are watching uh, like the talks with China and talk about maybe China lifting the, those tariffs on uh, ethanol going into that country. That would be a big help, wouldn't it? Yes, that would definitely be a big help. Um, the China trade war is something we've been watching all year, not just for ethanol, but also China takes a lot of our distiller's grains, which is really an important co-product of the ethanol process. So both the ethanol and getting distiller's grains into China would really um, help with prices as well here in the U.S. Well, let's talk about the DDGs. Obviously, you've lost a lot of cattle in Nebraska, so that, uh, that reduces the, the demand there for DDGs right now. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, too, a lot of the feedlots, um, when the ethanol plants were running at reduced capacity, they were having issues meeting their contracts with feedlots to provide those distillers grains. 
So even though we've lost, lost a lot of cattle, um, the feedlots have been relying on ethanol plants for those distiller's grains. Um, some of the plants here in Nebraska actually switched to making all wet distiller's grains to help with the hay loss um, in northeast Nebraska that got wiped out by the flooding and then helped meet um, contracts for feedlots around the state that are having issues getting those wet distiller's grains in as the plants have been running at reduced capacity. So a lot of people rely on not just the ethanol that we produce, but those co-products like distiller's grains. Well, you mentioned contracts. As I have talked with people in the ethanol industry, you know, that's been their challenge. They've got contracts to meet, and they're trying to figure out ways to do it. Yep, and I think we're going to see that as well as with people who might have contracts with ethanol plants to deliver grain. A lot of grain in northeast Nebraska got saturated with water, and I'm sure people have seen those photos of the busted bins and a lot of grain that's been swept away. So we'll have to see how that plays out, not only with planting, but last season's crop that got washed away from saturated bins. Mm -hmm. So you're watching this storm tracking through Nebraska. What's it look like as far as the impact it could have uh, on your ethanol plants? So in northeast Nebraska is where where a a lot of the flooding occurred, where we had a lot of the um, rail issues. So hopefully they won't get too much snow. hopefully just some rain out there. But again, with the oversaturation of the ground already and all that um, standing water, any precipitation is not going to be good for our state right now. So we're, we're hoping that if, if it does, if it does snow, um, that it, it doesn't cause any more flooding than we already have going on here in the state. Is Northeast Nebraska the hardest hit area of your state then? Yes, right now. Um, Western Nebraska, they did have a lot of um, snow and blizzard conditions, which didn't affect the ethanol plants out there too much, but there's several ethanol plants in northeast Nebraska, and that's where a majority of the flooding was. All right, so challenging time certainly for folks uh, in states like yours, and uh, we wanted to focus on the ethanol industry uh, a little bit and, and let people know what that's like and the challenges uh, that they're facing. Sounds like some improvement, but you've got a long ways to go, Megan. Yes, and I just ask that um, everyone kind of keep in mind that all the all the people that work in those ethanol plants, their houses, um, their side businesses, ranches, farms out there were also damaged. So it's it's difficult for them to have to come in to work to continue to pre- produce that ethanol when they when they have damages of their own in their personal lives. So yeah. yeah, difficulty all around. That's a good point. We want to keep all those folks in our thoughts and prayers. All right, Megan, thank you for the update. Thanks for having us on. Megan Grimes, Program Manager for the Nebraska Ethanol Board. All right, a little bit later we'll talk about rising gas prices and the reasons uh, behind them. We'll talk with Scott Richmond, Chief Economist for the Renewable Fuels Association. But up next, we're going to talk markets, USDA numbers uh, to look at, and uh, some of these market uh, impacting issues such as the flooding. We'll talk with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A generally bearish WASD report from USDA yesterday did not offer much in the way of pleasant surprises for grain traders. 
USDA expects larger corn-ending stocks for the 2018-19 crop. The agency pegging U.S. corn-ending stocks a shade over 2 billion bushels. Soybean-ending stocks were trimmed slightly by 5 million bushels to 895 million. Private exporters reporting to USDA sales of 133,759 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations during the 2018-19 marketing year. An hour into the trading day, penny or two better in soybeans. The May contract up a penny and three quarters at $9.50. November up a penny and a half at 9.33 and a quarter. Corn, new crop December up a penny at 3.90 and a quarter. A mix in wheat futures, Chicago wheat, new crop July down two and a quarter at 4.61 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat July down a penny and three quarters at 4.33 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat firm September trading at 5.45 up four and a quarter an hour into Wednesday's session. For livestock at the Merck, we are stabilizing in lean hog futures after limit losses on Tuesday. June lean hogs up 72 at 95.87. Cattle futures softer midweek. June live cattle down 57 at 119.77. May feeder cattle down 90 at 149.30. Outside markets, the Dow down 17. May crude oil in New York up 31. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Powerful. Effective. Proven. Tough. Consistent. Reliable. A lot of adjectives can describe a herbicide's weed control, but one only applies to Liberty Herbicide. Superior. Liberty Herbicide has no known resistance in row crops, more convenient application flexibility, and excellent control of key weeds. All backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Learn more at liberty.basf.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we have more numbers from USDA to take a look at. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oilseeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance, joins us. Steve, thanks for being with us. Uh, any surprises in this latest round of numbers? Good morning, Mike. Um, you know, I don't think there was anything really surprising here. You know, beans were sort of a, a yawner. I think probably the biggest surprise that I saw was probably the, was the corn number um, in that, you know, I think the expectations of the market have been that, you know, corn stocks are going to get tighter, um, you know, and, the, and then the expectation is, of course, particularly from, you know, on the producer side, and I think, you know, in the country is that that, you know, corn prices will get higher, and, and we've been talking all winter that at one, even at 1.8 million, 1.8 billion bushel carryover is still not going to be very conducive to upside, and now you get this almost, well, 200 million bushel increase in ending stocks to over 2 billion bushels, and, you know, the prospects of corn prices getting higher um, dwindle with that, you know, pretty substantially. So I think that's that probably was the biggest surprise that we saw that. I think that, but I will tell you, you know, I think that they needed to make some adjustments, you know, in ethanol, uh, 
and make some adjustments in that FSI category. I was a little surprised exports were down as much as they were, um, but they've been carrying a pretty high number all year anyway. So I, I think that was the biggest surprise to me that we actually got above 2 billion bushels on carryout. So. Now another another big storm bearing down on the Midwest. Uh, does this start getting the market's attention? Well, you know, it should. Um, and I, I say it that way because, you know, I think it, as we've talked about before, and you know, we've talked with producers too, think about where the market, you know, kind of looked at the last several years. You know, we've had hot, dry in Iowa two summers ago. We had hot, dry in Missouri last summer. You know, we've had... It seems like an endless string of, of very wet springs. And the market, you know, we get down at the end of the year and we still produce a record corn yield and we produce a good bean crop. And the market says, well, why should I worry about the weather? Because they're going to get it planted and we're going to get it out. And the, the, mar- and the, the crop is able to withstand some, you know, adverse weather and we still produce a crop. So I think the market's going to have to be, you know, show me that we don't have, that we have severe enough weather problems to cause crops. So I think it'll... I think it will be, futures probably will be a little more resistant to the upside, but I would tell you, uh, and I would be, if I was on the sell side or the buy side for that matter, I think we have to look at both sides, is that, you know, watch those basis numbers. And if you've watched basis numbers over the last couple weeks, we started to see in some locales, not every, but we've seen some locales where basis numbers have started to tick up. And, and it goes back to, the, you know, the premise of your question is the weather. Um, whether it's infrastructure issues with flooding, whether it's flooding, uh, whether it's, you know, soft roads in the country, you know, crops and, and bad weather. And now you get this, this storm again coming across the upper Midwest. <clears throat> you know, grain isn't going to be moving very well. And so you'll start to see pick up in basis levels to try to coax that grain out of the country uh, for, you know, just for no other reason. They don't have it and need to get it in, you know, get it in their pipeline. So I think basis is where the opportunity is. It's not necessarily on the future side. Mm-hmm. Good point. And the fact that it is April 10th and not May 10th, uh, well, while those out on the, uh, you know, out on the farms, they know what they're dealing with and they're seeing how long it's going to take. Markets uh, are up until at least, what, May 10th, they're going to say they're going to get it done somehow. Well, that's right. I mean, that's exactly right. You think about, you know, you sit in Illinois, you know, I grew up in Iowa. Um, I should, I, this is a I suppose a person, I mean, today is my mom's birthday, so I should say happy birthday to my mom today, April 10th. And I, we were talking about the other day is that, you know, we remember these late, she had a, in 1974, we had three feet of snow in central Iowa on April 9th, and, and it took us two days to get dug out. But the market, like you go back, is the market says they always get it planted, and farmers do get it planted and put it in one, you know, one way or another, they get it in the ground. And so, and I think that's the thing, you know, that is the, the beauty, if you have it, of you know larger equipment, um, better equipment, and the ability, you know, fields, you know, put together so that we can get a lot done quick, quickly. And I and I think you know we will get it done. We've seen, you've seen it. You know, we've seen a number of times where we'll go one week and think it's May 10th and we haven't got anything done yet, and we come back a week later and 50 percent, 55 percent of the crop is planted over a course of a week. So. We can get a lot done fast if we get some open weather. But, you know, the concern this spring, of course, if you're in a flooded area to get cleanup, but even outside of that, it's so wet and no, a little, not as much field work was done last fall, so we've got probably twice as much to get done this spring than we do in whatever a normal spring is. Then the questions will be, which, how many acres don't get planted, and then what about yeah. switching from corn to beans because of yep. late planting? Those are the things that are yet yep. to be determined. No, absolutely, and, I, and that's, I think that's the concern, you know, in the bean market is that we may not, you know, that's, it's probably positive for corn because you may not get corn in on a time. You've got to get corn in on a timely basis, and you've got to get beans, and beans are just, we don't need any more acres of beans right now. We've got plenty of beans in the pipeline, so we don't need any more of that, but it's exactly right. I think the other thing that I, I'm watching carefully, and, you know, it's too early to tell this because we just don't know, but think about if we get a little delay on the corn planting and bean planting, for that matter, pushes that crop farther, deeper into the heat of the summer, you know, pollination time for corn, you know, flowering and, and putting setting pods for beans, do you, do you just by the fact you take off, you know, maybe you get a week, two weeks late in and plant the crop, do you just by that fact, you do certainly take off that top end, 
potential yield. And that's, you know, that is a good thing and bad thing. If you're a producer, it's sort of a double-edged sword. You want you want that top yield because that's what's kept you kept you going the last several years. But, you know, if you if you take off shave off that top yield, then you probably get a potential, uh, you know, potentially shave off that top of the yield potential for prices to be a little bit more firm this year than we would be otherwise if we got it in on a timely basis. We're talking with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Rabo AgriFinance. Steve, what's uh, your thoughts on the uh, wheat market? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I will, I will, you probably, I will admit that we've, I've been very surprised at the way the wheat market has acted. It just, just gotten pounded. I mean, literally just pounded into the ground, and it doesn't make any sense when you look at. I looked at it yesterday. This is the lowest winter wheat acreage in 110 years, and that goes back to the very beginning when the USDA was keeping records. So, first of all, you've got less acres. That should be a little bit positive to to a wheat market, and it hasn't been. Um, You have the the Black Sea running out of available supplies for export, um, and so you should see the U.S. exports pick up, and they have picked up. We see that deficit to last year, you know, closing. It's not as big a deficit export-wise as it was a year ago. But you then see, but you see protein levels getting, you know, protein bases is continuing to be very strong. It's come back off its high a little bit here in the last couple of weeks, but that level's good. Uh, and you see that, you see Chicago as a premium over Kansas City, which is a real head scratcher. But when I looked at those numbers that spread over time, over the last, we'll say over the last uh, eight years, you look at the last four years, three out of the four years, you've seen that Chicago premium over wheat, and you, and you think, okay. And then it bottoms out about harvest time for hard red winter wheat and then comes back. So there are some things that do make sense in the wheat market and there are things that don't make sense. And it it does kind of get you wondering, is there a big spring back in wheat yet to come? Because it's very wet in Kansas. They're probably going to get more rain this weekend or this, you know, this later this week, this weekend. It is very dry in the Panhandle of Texas, which are in Oklahoma, which are the big, you know, the other half of that wheat growing area. So there are lots of challenges in wheat yet, and it's you know, and there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. Um, but I think the potential is for the wheat market to spring back since it's and the funds are pretty short wheat. So you've got an opportunity here at some point where wheat might spring back when you have less acres, maybe not as good a crop as you thought, and people being extremely short the market. So I think wheat's one to watch very carefully um, for upside potential. And finally, on trade, uh, you know. We keep hearing these optimistic things with China. Secretary Purdue saying he thinks there's some positive things happening with, that it could mean uh, China lifting tariffs on, on ethanol, uh, but we haven't seen it yet. That's right. And, and you know, you and I have talked about this, uh, it seems like, every time we chat. Um, and it's, it's kind of the old thing that Chinese have said, you know, they make a promise, but then there's never, there's never a follow-through. And for those of us, you know, who worked all our lives, you know, that follow-through is pretty important if you make a promise, and that's not happening. You know, there was, there was some news out late last night that China had lifted the anti-dumping investigation on U.S. DDGs um, that was expressed to me as my, from my colleague in China that that was a goodwill gesture. But, you know, it's a goodwill gesture, but, you know, it's kind of one of those things you want to see the action and you want to see that promise followed through, followed through. And, you know, again, we haven't seen that yet. And it's like with ethanol. Do we get a follow-through? They need ethanol. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, my concern is we've, I'm cautious, as, I've, as we said before, but my concern is that when relations have gotten so bad between the two countries, you know, it's difficult to see that China's going to be a quick, willing buyer of U.S. products when the relations are so bad and they're, you know, and they're making overtures into Europe like they this, this past week or this week. As a matter of fact, you just... You just kind of wonder where the U.S. sits in all this, and it's, it goes back to our one of our original discussions about these tariffs have made us a, you know, a less reliable supplier in the world in the eyes of foreign buyers, and that's concerning long term. Yeah, and we see the issues going on between the U.S. and the EU on trade as well. So all that, all that is part of the puzzle. All right, Steve, thanks a lot. Thanks for the update and uh, your perspective. No Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Take care, Steve Nicholson. Grain and oil seeds analyst with Bravo AgriFinance. Well, gas prices are going up. Why? 
lot of uh, different uh, factors. Um, we heard earlier about the situation in California and uh, the challenges of getting ethanol out to that market. But what about the rest of the country? What's causing these prices to go up right now? We're going to talk with the chief economist with the Renewable Fuels Association, Scott Richmond. He'll tell us uh, those factors behind those gas prices. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination. Our honesty. Our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, former Secretary of Agriculture and the President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack. Well, we're hearing criticisms uh, being raised, uh, especially by some House Democrats on USMCA, saying it needs to be renegotiated. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there are a number of different ways to address any concerns. There are side agreements. There is implemented legislation that could provide some assurance to to members. At the end of the day, I know a lot of members are currently concerned about the impact of retaliatory tariffs, and if they're not lifted, Mike, uh, that would basically negate the benefits of the trade agreement. So I I think there are a lot of issues the administration has to deal with. I know Ambassador Lighthizer has been working hard listening to folks and trying to figure out uh, 
the narrow path that all trade agreements have to pass uh, in order to get through the system. Uh, I'm confident that by the end of the day, people will realize that, at least for agriculture, this is an incredibly important uh, agreement. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Why are gas prices going up? Let's talk about it with Scott Richmond, Chief Economist for the Renewable Fuels Association. Scott, thanks for joining us. What are the reasons behind these increases? Well, glad to be here, Mike. Uh, yeah, we the reasons for the increases uh, are mainly uh, attributable to, uh, to things that are uh, typical this time of year or uh, typical drivers uh, of, of gasoline prices. And, um, you know, Gasoline prices have risen this year. Uh, they're not too far above where they were this time last year, uh, but they've risen about 50 cents a gallon uh, since the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, people notice that. I know that I've noticed. And there's been a lot of discussion of that. And so what we've tried to do uh, is to go ahead and, and uh, explain to people exactly what's going on uh, with gasoline prices. And uh, the primary driver of gas prices is really crude oil prices, uh, and we know that people are not uh, looking at uh, what's going on with crude oil prices and what the geopolitics are uh, of that uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, but, uh, get, but crude oil prices have risen about 40 percent uh, since the start of the year, and that's been the primary driver. Uh, the second thing is that uh, with a uh, change in demand and a change in specifications, gasoline prices uh, normally go up uh, this, t- this time of year. And so uh, those seasonal factors have really been kind of turbocharged uh, by the large increases uh, in gasoline prices. Uh, and then, the, you know, the third thing is just in, in certain areas there have, been, uh, there have been refinery outages. Uh, you have, uh, you have uh, kind of tight specifications in areas like California, uh, in Arizona, and uh, those have contributed to uh, even higher prices out in those areas. And so uh, we put together a little white paper and wanted to explain to people in kind of a straightforward and visual way uh, exactly what's been going on with, uh, with pricing this spring. Now, we talked earlier with the um, Nebraska Ethanol Board talking about their challenges right now with flooding and that they couldn't get the ethanol to a state like California where a lot of the eth- their ethanol goes, and that is having an impact out there. But overall, uh, does, does ethanol have any part to play in these higher gas prices we're seeing? Well, by and large, uh, really the reasons that I mentioned to you, uh, the, the spike in crude oil prices since the beginning of the year and uh, just the normal seasonal patterns and, and specifications uh, have really driven it. Now, um, you know, people have seen stories about what's been going on with ethanol. They see something, you know, what's going on with with uh, uh, with crude oil prices and with uh, with refinery outages. Things like that are kind of complex. People don't really look at it day to day. They see a news story about what's going on with ethanol, with the floods in the Midwest, and that's something that that's easy to latch onto. But it really hasn't been much much of a driver. So, yes, it is true that in Nebraska and Iowa, in certain locations, uh, for a couple of weeks there, um, you know, we had uh, we had some real issues with transportation that affected uh, getting ethanol to uh, some, some isolated markets, uh, not a broad swath, of, not a broad swath of the country, and really that's mostly run its course uh, by now. If you look at the big picture, uh, 
if this was going to happen, you know, the flooding has been terrible. If it was going to happen um, from a supply-demand standpoint, it happened at a somewhat fortuitous time. We actually have uh, record stocks of, uh, of ethanol in the country. Um, those have been uh, available to, uh, to help smooth this out. Uh, additionally, ethanol, as of yesterday, wholesale ethanol prices, ethanol futures, were 70 cents per gallon under gasoline futures. So we've got overall large stocks, uh, very economical uh, ethanol, and it's really been only certain isolated locations where delivery has been an issue. And even some of those locations, like California, um, there are issues ongoing with uh, with refinery outages, and there are other factors that uh, that are also playing a big role. So uh, some of the stories that have been out there about uh, about the role of ethanol have been have been a little bit overblown. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, even with higher gas prices, you still see or should see ethanol blends when you go to the pump uh, lower than those uh, uh, other other blends. You'll see uh, a discount that you can get when you're using, uh, uh, say, E15 or E85. Absolutely, and a lot of that is just the, the wholesale price of, uh, of ethanol is, is considerably below the wholesale price of, of gasoline. So... Not to minimize uh, you know, the impact of the floods, the fact that there have been some isolated locations, uh, you know, where where they really had to work to get uh, to get availability. But in the the broad swath of the country, ethanol has really been helping to hold down these rising gasoline prices. Yeah, in other words, don't blame ethanol for higher gas prices. We're talking with Scott Richmond, uh, Chief Economist for the Renewable Fuels Association. Real quick, Scott, yesterday some interesting testimony looking at the uh, rationale for how EPA determines these small refinery exemptions, and they talked about the price of RINs, uh, actually, that, you know, that's taken into uh, consideration. Well, RIN prices are down, so what excuse then do they have for keep granting these exemptions? Yeah, and and rent prices really collapsed uh, at the beginning of uh, at the beginning beginning of last year, and there are a number of small refinery exemption petitions that the EPA uh, is considering. And you know, really, given how <laughs> how inexpensive uh, rents were last year uh, and how inexpensive ethanol was uh, relative to gasoline, how plentiful it was, you know, it's it's really. Uh, it's really hard to see how anybody can make the case that uh, some refiners uh, faced any sort of disproportionate economic hardship by having to uh, by having to use ethanol, or if they uh, if they so choose, uh, purchasing in rents uh, to cover their uh, their requirements. So um, the, most of the petitions that are out there right now uh, are rel- right. relative to 2018. It's hard to see how they can make the case. Yeah, really is. Scott, thanks for being with us. Certainly. Glad to join you. Scott Richmond, Chief Economist for the RFA. Thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. 